0: to the Factory Youth Podcast. This is a weekly teaching podcast from the Factory Youth at Calvary Chapel, Bear Beach. This is a message that I've titled, The Qualities of a Faithful Life. Qualities of a Faithful Life. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, considered him who endured such opposition for sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Let's pray, and we'll, and we'll talk about these verses. Lord God, we, we come before you tonight in, in a setting that we've, we've been in, many of us, many times, in, in the building of the church, maybe with these same people, sitting with the same people. But Lord, we ask that there would be a fresh encounter tonight. Through your word, Lord, that you would come alive in our hearts, speak to the depths of, of who we are, Lord, would Your light shine into whatever darkness we may find ourselves? Lord, would You Your presence wrap us tonight? Would You speak to us in Jesus' name? Amen. Amen. Uh, at the end of 2022, I thought it would be a good idea to run a marathon. Uh, at the time, I'd never like gone for a jog in my entire life. Like it's kind of a funny concept. So it's like open the door, start running for no reason, and then stop whenever you decide that you're done or you get home. Um, but I saw my dad, he did this like triath- triathlon and it was really inspiring. And so I was like, man, I should get off my couch and do something and exercise. And, um, and so I decided that I was gonna do that. So uh, in like November of 2022, I went on my first jog and uh, I had the intent to run a mile. And I ran uh, almost to the end of my street and stopped. It was about 0.3 miles I went without stopping. I was really proud of myself, honestly. I was like, holy cow, this is really hard. My heart is like beating through my chin. I'm like, there's like sweat in my lower back, you know. It's like, oh, man. And, uh, but I, I really like thought, like, man, I think I, I can make myself... Do this. So I, I started running like a mile here and there, and then I started taking it seriously. I read one uh, article on how to train for a marathon, and I, I skimmed through one article, found a picture of a chart, and then just followed that for the next year. And uh, just started running. I would run four times a week. I got to the point where three miles was like relatively easy. So I would do three miles on Monday, and four miles on Tuesday, and five miles on Thursday. And then I would push myself on Saturday, increasing one mile each week. So I started with five miles, and then six miles, and seven, and then eight, and then nine, and then 10 and then I got up to a half marathon one Saturday morning, and then a couple weeks later, I got to 15 miles on a Saturday morning, and then uh, I got up to 20 miles on a Saturday morning, and I was was doing the whole thing. I was thinking about um, all the food that was providing my body the energy that it needed uh, for the race, so I'm like thinking about calories. I'm thinking about carbs and potassium and salt so that my body can store the hydration that I'm putting it into. And then when I was doing the runs, I would bring these little gel things that had like healthy sugars that your body needs and calories to kind of replenish uh, your fluids. That's someone's, uh, doesn't matter. Replenish your, that's someone's thing. Uh, Gatorade maybe? Um, so these Gatorade's getting replenished. What is it? It doesn't matter, move on. Yeah, it's electrolytes, but there's some things. It's like replenish your, uh. um It's not sunny D, but I wish it was. Uh, So then I I was thinking about all of this stuff, and honestly, for almost a year, I was like consumed with with running uh, this marathon. uh, Before then, I was surfing a ton. I like stopped surfing. I didn't skate for like eight months, which is what I usually do. And it was just running and running and running. And every single mile that I ran. I was thinking about my goal of running a marathon. It was like the very thing that was keeping me going. Every mile, every time I left my house, I was like this is for the goal of running the marathon. I bring that up because the author of Hebrews, he encourages us to run our race with endurance, to run our race with endurance. And what he is talking about, his race, he's talking about the life of the Christian who is devoted to living for Jesus. And endurance, he is addressing the very real challenges and opposition that the Christian faces as they set out to run this race of life along with Jesus. What the author of Hebrews is, is encouraging is for someone to be faithful to Jesus throughout opposition and difficulty. Now, it's easy for me to bring up the marathon that I ran because if you run a marathon, you have to bring it up. It's like part of the code. They told me that when I was like at the finish line. They're like, okay, you have to bring this up a lot. And uh, I've got a sticker on my car that says 26.2, and someone asked me what radio station that was. I was like... But it's actually a terrible example for what what the author of Hebrews is is talking about. Because I, for one year, was super devoted to running. It's all I thought about. It changed all of my life. It changed the food that I was eating. It it changed the time that I was going to bed. I was waking up at 4 a.m. on Saturday mornings. To go, for run, to go for runs. I'd roll out of bed, eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, drink a cup of coffee, and run 20 miles on a Saturday morning. What kind of psychopath does that? I don't, I don't know. It changed, my, it, it changed everything for my life. The, I crossed the finish line. I didn't run for a month. I didn't think about what I was eating. I didn't think about running. It's been like Four months since then, I have not run nearly as much. I don't think about the food and the carbs and the potassium that I'm putting into my body. I I don't have any desire to keep running. I'm not faithful to it. And for many of us, that describes our walk with Jesus. Or maybe it will describe the walk with Jesus in a couple months or a couple years. In high school, you were very committed to walking with Jesus You're reading your Bible, you're attending church, you're sharing your faith with the people around you, you're praying for your life and for people and for your circumstances and and you're all in. And for many of you, that's you right now and I want to encourage you in that. But for some of us, we're sitting in like a shell of what church used to be. The, The Bible plan that we were reading ended and we quote, didn't know what to read next. That was two years ago. And, and, and the people that I would go to church with, they went off to college. But the people that I sit with, they got busy, and they're, they're not coming anymore. I, I was praying for my family and for my friends, and nothing really changed. I shared my faith, but people stopped listening, and no one cared. The worship team, they stopped playing the songs that I like. And, and for, for many of us, it's like me with my marathon, It was all we were into for a little while and then maybe we overcome the difficulty or God answered something that we were longing for or or God spoke into our life and on the other side of it, it's not as interesting. We feel like we don't need him anymore. The the author of Hebrews is encouraging us to run our race with endurance. Whether life is easy or, or difficult, whether we feel like we desperately need God. We need him to answer us. We need him in our life or we're just kind of going through the motions. He tells us to run our race with endurance. I gave up running. I'm good. I run like twice a week, no more than three miles. But now in my life, I've skateboarded since I was six years old. Whether I liked to or not, I tell Nate all the time, I'm a slave to the wooden toy. (laughs) It's like, I can't not skateboard. I'm a grown man at a skate park. I'm so embarrassed. I saw people I knew there last night. Oh, it's, it's embarrassing. I just have to do it. There was times where I was doing it because it would make me look cooler. There was times that I was doing it so I could get something out of it. I was trying to get sponsorships and film video parts and all of that. Now I just do it because I literally have to. It's miserable. But how do we get to the point in our relationship with God where we're not doing it so that we can get something out of it, but we're, doing, we're walking with Jesus because we have to? The author of Hebrews, he writes into that. He says, I'm going to pull four applications from this passage in, in Hebrews chapter 12 about faithfulness, and then we'll wrap up. The first thing and where the author begins, he says, because you are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses now in the section before in hebrews chapter 11 it's a very famous passage of scripture that people have called for a long time the hall of faith and in this chapter the author of hebrews he walks us through some very important characters that you read about in the scriptures and he points out that it was by faith that they were able to do all the things that they were able to do He looks at Abraham and he looks at Moses and he looks at Rahab and he mentions Gideon and David and and Samson and all of these very important characters in the scriptures. And he points out that it was by faith, by their reliance and their belief in God, who he was and in his word, that they were able to do the things that God had called them and invited them into. And then he talks about all the persecution that that people of God have faced over, over the years. And that's where Hebrews 11 ends. And then it begins, he says, therefore, because you are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, he, he, go, he says, take off the sin that entangles you and run your race with endurance. If we want to have a faithful life, Where we're walking with Jesus, not just right now, but we are looking into the future that we want to walk with Jesus through all circumstances. When we get old and and when we're alone, when we're with people or we're we're, surrounded by difficulty or we're in joy, we want to walk with Jesus. We need to have the right people around us. Now, I don't want to just preach the same message that Nate preached last week about having good friends that encourage us to walk with Jesus, but I do want to remind us of that. Look at your friends. Are they encouraging you to walk with Jesus? What are they doing? How are they influencing, and how are you influencing them? But specifically in this passage, that's not what the author is is talking about. He is actually going back to the men and women who have gone before us He is talking about Abraham and David and Gideon and Samson and all all these, and Moses. He's talking about these people who have walked with God before us. And he says, you are surrounded by that great cloud of witnesses, those men and women of the faith who have walked through life and gone through challenges before you. There's been thousands of years of church history There's story after story of faithful people overcoming difficulty or opposition or temptation and struggle. We are to tap into the resources of the people who have gone before us. Now that absolutely means the stories that are in the scriptures like what the author of Hebrews presents in chapter 11 looking at Daniel, how he stood in boldness against the tyranny of his day and he prayed regardless of what people told him to, or David being committed to God through difficulty and uncertainty and mistakes, or Paul being committed to Christ through all kinds of opposition. But it also means tapping into the resources of the people that are around you here and now that have gone before you. Those people who have been walking with Jesus for a long time and and asking them questions. Because the chances are the difficulty that you're facing, you're not the first person to ever go through that. You're not. Most of the time that I have found that someone has either asked me about something or I have asked them, I'm like, someone asked me, I'm like, oh yeah, I did that. I've gone through that. Or I know someone that's gone through that, that's really difficult. One of the biggest challenges that kind of causes us to feel like we need, that maybe God's not working or the church isn't working is that, that we don't talk about the things that we go through and we feel like we're alone. Let me encourage you, you're not alone. The, the, the struggles that you're facing, there are people that have gone through it and come out on the other side. There's people that have overcome temptation that seems like it would beat them down and defeat them. And they're on the other side and they've conquered it by the strength of God. There's people who have gone through anxiety and depression and walked out on the other side filled with joy and filled with peace. And so often we hesitate to bring those things up to other people. But therefore, there's a great cloud of witnesses around you. There are people, there are men and women of the faith who have gone before you that want to encourage you and direct you, and we just need to be honest and speak up. Maybe today, in your small group, you should speak up about something that you're going through and find out that there are, there's a cloud of witnesses that wants to encourage you through that. Point number two. He's, the author says to throw off the sin that so easily ensnares us. It's really hard to go somewhere when you have a flat tire or you're going in the wrong direction. It's really difficult. Uh, a couple years ago, I got a flat tire. I noticed I had a flat tire, and I was like, what do I do? Really? Do you just stop? I didn't stop. I got to where I was going, and then I looked at it, and then I called my parents, and I was like, she was like, there, my mom was like, did you stop? I was like, yeah, I stopped, Um, Anyways, then I walked in. Sorry, this is so random. Then I walked into a church. I was playing uh, drums at a church, uh, and I got a flat tire on the way. I walk in, and there's a guy. The first guy I see is wearing a, like, uh, so-and-so car repair shop T-shirt. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. I I go in, and I walk him. He's like, oh, no, sorry. This is from a video game. (laughs) This is like there's some video game that has this this thing, and I'm wearing the T-shirt. I have no idea how to help you. I was like, oh, well, all right. Um, anyways, it's, it's hard to, to get somewhere. If you have a flat tire, you're walking in, in the wrong direction. The author tells us to take off the sin that so easily ensnares us. Sin is that very thing that will, that will let the air out of our tires, or we will try to be getting to a certain location, and we'll end up far from where we really want to be because the sin is leading us astray. Now, it's important to understand as we address the topic of sin that Jesus on the cross overcame sin. Sin is the very thing that keeps us from relationship with God. Uh, Over church history, people have called it the great divide. Sin is the thing that stands between man and God. We cannot have relationship with God because of the sin that separates us from God. But through Jesus' work on the cross, he tore uh, the dividing line so that we may have access to God even though on our own we cannot. He, he tore down the, the wall of sin so that we could have access to God through faith in Jesus. But we all know that although Jesus conquered sin, we still have to deal with our sins. You know what I mean? We still have to suffer the consequences of the mistakes that we make in our life. Now, Jesus forgives us. Jesus forgives all past, present, and future sins, but we still are left to to struggle with them. There's still things that, that we're tempted to do that we have no desire to do. Or the Apostle Paul would write in Romans chapter 7, he says, The things that I desire to do, the godly things that I desire to do, I don't do them. And those things that I have no desire to do, for some reason I do them. And that is the sin that dwells in me. We still have this very real battle with sin. We still have to overcome our desire to to lust or our desire to gossip or our desire to consume things that are are changing us. And and we need to learn how to overcome those things. So I have four kind of helpful anecdotes for sin. First, confession. And, And the In the letter of 1 John in chapter 1, uh, John would write this. He would say, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. We so often allow the shame of our sin to get in the way of us confessing our sin. And so it keeps us from being able to overcome our sin. If we allow the shame and the guilt of what we do to keep us from confessing them to God and confessing them to other people, it is very difficult for us to overcome the sin that is that we we are continually doing. Secondly, we should remove ourselves from the environment. Can I get? Can I be real for a second? Am I allowed to do that? Can I be real? like 2009 called. If you struggle with, with lusting and, and looking at pornography, put your phone in the kitchen drawer at nine o'clock and don't bring it into your room. Remove yourself from the environment. Just going to say it. Because so often we, we deal with sin, and I, I'm going to use that as an illustration for other things. We deal with sins because we put ourselves in the environment where our, our desires or our body actually longs for those things. If you, if you struggle with like, with, with like partying or, or substance or whatever, and you're hanging out with those people on a Friday night, remove yourself from the environment. If you, if you struggle with like gossip or judging people or whatever and you're sitting around people that all do the same, remove yourself from the environment. Sorry, I'm going to be less real now. <laughs> Resist the temptation. There comes a point where you need to exercise your saying no to yourself muscle. It's really important to exercise the say no to yourself muscle. This is what the... the Uh, Christian tradition of fasting does. It's, It's removing food from your body for a period of time so that you know how to say no to those desires within yourself. Because so often we just say yes, 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 yes. I want to watch what I want to watch. I get irritated when it doesn't load. I want to eat what I want to eat. If my mom cooks something I don't like, I drive myself to a restaurant afterwards. It's like, yes, 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 where if we want to overcome sin, we need to resist temptation and say no to ourselves. And then lastly, we need to assess those desires, Habitual sins, sins that we commit over and over again, are so often linked to either deep desires for something real within ourselves or very deep fears within ourselves. So often the, the desire or the, the reason why we're tempted to look at things that we shouldn't be looking at is because there's a deep desire within us to, to have very real uh, love or to be seen or to to have pleasure. Or if there is a a desire to gossip bad about other people, it is often rooted in a deep level of insecurity that there's a fear that someone else is going to say those things about me, so I need to say it to them first. And if we want to overcome these things, then we need to really take a look inside and, and address the areas that that we have these desires for these things or these fears that lead us into these things. Point number three, encounter. Encounter. Are you guys still with me? Yeah. Having a good time? Yeah. Encounter. The, the author of Hebrews, he says, he says remove the, the sins that so easily entang- entangle us. And then he says, run your race with endurance. And he says, and fix your eyes upon Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. If we want to have a long-lasting relationship with Jesus, we need to have an encounter with him as a person, not just the qualities about himself. And what I mean by that is so often we have a superficial relationship with Jesus where we just attend church but never actually meet with him. We we read our Bibles because we feel like we have to, but we never actually present ourselves before God and ask for him to speak to us in a very real way. Jesus would address this in the Gospels in a very kind of alarming passage of Scripture. He says that there are people who, who have healed people in my name. They have cast demons out in my name, but I don't know them. They'll come to me and he says, depart from me for... I, don't, I, I never knew you. It's, a, it's like an alarming passage of Scripture. What Jesus is, is really speaking to is people who are doing things for God or in the name of God, but they're not being with God. And we need to have an encounter with Jesus, the person of Jesus. It's not about what you do for God, But a faithful life is simply about being able to be with Jesus. A personal encounter of fixing your eyes on Jesus and to see how he can sustain you in every day and in every moment. You guys have the, anyone have those friendships where you don't need to do anything with the person? It's like, we can just hang out. Thank goodness for these people. Like, there's some friends where it's like, we got to go bowling. If we're not bowling, like, I don't want to see them. (laughs) It's like, it's like, we have to be doing something. I remember one time when I was in Little League, a friend on my baseball team just came over to my house and I was like, this is not it, dude. <laughs> like, you were nice when you were my catcher, but like when you're sitting on my couch, uh, it's like, nah, not for me. Our, our desire as wa- walking with Jesus, we need to have a personal encounter with Jesus to where it's, our relationship is not just fixed on our kind of uh, our, uh, mutual interest. It's like, yeah, I know Jesus. He goes to the same church as me. (laughs) But it's about a personal encounter with Jesus. And when we have a personal encounter with Jesus, he reveals himself to us as who he actually is, not who we think he is or we think he should be. Sometimes the the air gets let out of our tires. We don't want to walk with God anymore because the God that we were following was a God that we had crafted with our own hands. And when God reveals himself for who he actually is, we don't like that God anymore. I was following a different God. The author C.S. Lewis, he says this. He He says, my idea of God is not a divine idea. It has to be shattered from time to time and he shatters it himself. What he's saying is sometimes we have an understanding of who God is. We have an understanding of what the joy that God promises looks like. Or we have the understanding of what the peace that God promises, or even the healing, or even the direction. And we have these ideas of of who God is and how he works, but we need to hold our ideas very loosely and allow God, when he actually speaks to us, to tell us what his voice sounds like. And so often we we can give up in walking with Jesus because we were following a God that doesn't really exist. We made him with our own hands. And we need to allow a personal encounter with that God to reveal who he actually is to us. I'm gonna close. Worship team, you guys can come up as we look at the fourth point, which is endurance. The author says, for the joy, he says, fix your eyes upon Jesus For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition for sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. We we should respond to the work that Jesus has done for us by enduring the life that he has called us into. We don't don't endure through difficulty for the sake of Jesus uh, to try to earn his love or try to earn his attention. We actually do it in response to what he has already endured for us. John would write in, in his epistle that we love God because he first loved us. Everything that we do is in response for the great love and the great work that Jesus has done for us on the cross. The work that Jesus does for us each and every day that we are to endure. But it's hard to endure through things when you understand how, how long something is. You're going to be 70 probably one day. Lifespan's getting a little longer. People are starting to be a little more conscious about their food and, and stretching and all that kind of stuff. And you, you may be 70 one day. That's terrifying to me, at least. Uh, people are always like, life is so short. I'm like, dude, my life is long, man. I feel like I've been doing this thing for a while now. I'm only 25. You're gonna be, you're gonna be 70 one day. The, the day I ran the marathon... Before I hit mile one, there was a guy keeled over on the curb like this. (laughs) Out of 26.2. He's a weak-minded fella. Just the very thought of it is intimidating and causes us to cripple. If we want to walk with Jesus for our life, we need to understand that a life with Jesus means our entire life. This is a, a Nate Gallagherism, but walking with Jesus is not about walking with him for a limited time, but for a lifetime. We need to understand that the decision that we've made to walk with Jesus, it should be a decision that we've made to walk with Jesus for our whole life. But the decision that we made to walk with Jesus is, is backed up by decisions that we make daily. A faithful life, the the decision that we've made, I want to walk with Jesus, I'm giving my life to Jesus is what we, we say so many times in the church. I'm giving my life. That means your life. And the way that we can ensure that our life has been given to Jesus is by each and every day we're making decisions to give our lives to Jesus. Through difficulty, through opposition, through joy, through temptation, through worry, through, through challenges and friendships, to, to changes in our life as we go off to college or our families move away or, or our, our, we, we go to a different church. It's not contingent on the, the season of life that you're in right now, but we need to understand that a life with Jesus is a life that has been given to him. And the way that we ensure that we're giving our life to Jesus is by making daily decisions to give our life to Jesus. Daily decisions to to put the sin aside. Daily decisions to be open and honest and to wear our life honestly to the people that are around us. Daily decisions to to lean in and try to find Jesus in our day, to have a personal encounter, not just on Thursday nights, not just on Sunday mornings, but in the day, in class. Lord, where are you right now? How will you use me? How can you speak to me? And then choosing to endure, recognizing the length of life, recognizing that we are should desire to walk with Jesus for a life and then how do I do that? I'm going to walk with him today. Tomorrow I'm going to walk with him tomorrow. I, I was talking to my dad he, he has been walking with Jesus for a very long time and I was just curious. I asked him how many times uh, he's read the Bible in one year. And he's like oh, I've probably done it like 10 times but your mom she's probably done it 25 times. Every day for 25 years reading the word. She didn't read it 25 times in a week, little bit, every day, sitting in the devotion chairs in our living room, faithfully presenting herself before God. And after doing that day after day, you look back and you have a life of faithfulness committed to Jesus.